when Tommy asked uh, me what songs would match uh, my sermon, I gave him uh, Mighty to Save. I did not know that he actually chose uh, How Great Thou Art. Because it was the song that, that I, I sang during my compassion trip in Mexico with Jeremy. Uh, and uh, it was such a wonderful experience there. Because the church, of course, they speak in Spanish. Uh, and we, we were singing in Spanish. Uh, but when it came to How Great Thou Art, I was singing in English. And some other of our team members were singing in Chinese. So we were singing How Great Thou Art in two European language, languages, one Asian language in Central America, uh, and praising God. So that was just wonderful. So dear brothers and sisters, tomorrow I will start my two-week vacation. Yes. But over the last couple of months, I have been looking forward to today, much more so than tomorrow. And this is true. It's not because I'm going to somewhere that's not fun. Okay? I've been, it's because I've been so eager to partner up with Compassion Canada to share with you uh, what God is doing amazingly in places where we don't normally see or hear from the news or social media. And today, uh, Jeremy Viss, uh, Compassion Canada representative is with us, and he will be speaking later, uh, after you endure my portion. And, and uh, some of those places uh, that Compassion Canada, or Compassion International, is serving uh, is among the poorest in the world, uh, where suffering is the norm of life. The word compassion is a word that the Apostle Matthew chose to describe the inner state of Jesus when he went through all the towns and villages, he said, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were distressed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So today I hope this same word, compassion, would also describe all of our inner state when we see those who are distressed and helpless. So as I said, Jeremy is here. He will be speaking afterwards. And, uh, but I need to preach first. And I want to let you know, from the very early part of the Old Testament, caring for the poor and the needy has always been God's agenda. And it was given to God's people, Israel, as part of their governmental mandate. Caring for the poor and the needy has always carried more weight than offering sacrifices and observing religious festivals. In the New Testament, Jesus told us that the greatest commandment was about love. Love God and love one another. And although it looks like two different ways to fulfill this commandment, our Lord was so gracious that he would later tell us that we can do both, love God and love, another, love one another, by doing just one thing, which is helping the poor and the needy. In Matthew 25, some people asked Jesus, they asked, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, 
or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And then Jesus, the king, replied, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. As Jesus graciously told us, we can achieve both love God and love others by helping those who are hungry, thirsty, need clothes, or sick. And elsewhere in the Bible, helping the poor and the needy is also a very prominent theme. And today we're going to study a short passage from the first letter of John. Well, most of us know what John 3.16 is. But what about 1 John 3.16? Does it ring the bell? Let's listen to this passage and see what God is speaking to us through this precious word of Him. I'm going to read to you these three verses from 1 John chapter 3, 16 to 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and in truth. After listening to God's word, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you. Forgive us abundance. That you have provided for us in all aspects of our life. At the same time, there's so, so, so many in this world that are lacking. They're lacking basic necessities. So today, pray that you will give us a compassion, compassionate heart. Grant us a merciful heart so that our heartbeat will match, match your heartbeat. And may your word today open up our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's sermon is called Don't Wait, Just W-A-I-T. It actually stands for the last few words of the passage I just read to you which is, with actions and in truth. And Jesus said, we are to put our life, our love into action. But how? Well, Jesus said that we are to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And I wonder how our church is doing in this. Well, let's take a show of hands. How many of us have laid down our lives for the others? And definitely... I expect a zero response here. Of course, I mean, you wouldn't be here if you have laid down your lives. So the problem with loving others by laying down our lives is that how many times in our lives we can obey this command? Once. Right? You die, that's it. So what does it really mean by Jesus that we have to lay down our lives for others? Let's consider the most famous of such saying in the Gospel of John first. In John 15, Jesus said, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life 
for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Here Jesus told us to love one another. And also said that it is a command. And then he went on to say that the greatest love is that he laid down his life for his friends. Well, I know some of you have over 1,000 friends on Facebook. So your chance to die is much higher than mine. I don't have a whole lot. And if we look closer to the choice of words in John's Gospel, the phrase, lay down his life, almost always applies to Jesus. The only exception was Peter. He, he, he said that he would lay down his life for Jesus. Only after that, he betrayed Jesus three times. In John 10, this phrase appears quite a few times, all about Jesus. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. 17 to 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, Jesus said, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. What Jesus was saying here is that laying down his life is the mission specific to him. He came in order to die on our behalf. So laying down one's life is the mission specific to Jesus because Jesus' Jesus' death serves this specific function of atonement. As a result, only Jesus laying down his life for others was necessary because only his death, by his death, that we could be saved. But our death doesn't serve any specific function. Therefore, we do not have to die in order to love one another. When Jesus said he laid down his life for his friends, Jesus was talking about himself. He died for us so that we would know that we are his friends. But then, in 1 John, when John wrote, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. What he really meant was that since Jesus laying down his life has shown us what love really is, as a result, we ought to follow Jesus' footsteps and love one another by laying down our own lives. Wow, isn't that confusing? But when John wrote, what John wrote right after this are not different ways of how one is to die, such as being a martyr, or, or, or you just go donate all your organs while you're still alive. No. What John wrote next was not about literal dying or laying down our lives, but about caring for the poor and the needy. He went on and wrote, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need and has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? John understood what Jesus meant. As we are commanded to love God and love one another, we don't always need to think about dying. When we know that Jesus loves us, that he laid down his life for us, we then ought to love the poor and the needy by helping them. 
Not every one of us will have the chance to die for others. But we are in no shortage of opportunity to help those by providing them with basic resources of necessity. John mentioned in this verse that there are three conditions in helping others that we are to be aware of. First, John said that this command is to give, this command to give is for anyone who has material possessions. So does this command to give apply to us? Are we someone who has material possessions? I mean, we don't like to admit that, right? But when we talk about this, we tend to think that we're not that well off. We tend to focus on our financial constraints, our liabilities, our taxes, our, our tiny salary compared to the crazy real estate prices, etc. But how does our living condition compare against the other 7 billion people in the world? Here, I'd like to show you the following research. This research was based upon the 2016 world population distribution based on income. And let's say we divide this distribution into three portions. The poorest 1 billion people, the middle 5 billion people, and the wealthiest 1 billion. And in this spectrum, where do you think most of us would belong? Maybe in the middle, but we're not the worst, we're not the best. We tend to think like that. However, I'd like to show you a few household pictures so that all of us can get a more accurate idea of how this world is really like. These pictures were taken by a non-profit research group called GapMinder, based in Sweden, in which they sent out researchers to 50 countries along this poor-to-rich spectrum and to take pictures of items found in different households. So let's take a look. First, that's something ladies would be concerned about. It's about the stoves, cooking stoves. And, and, and you can see, this is the poorest people's stove, if you can call it a stove. This is like campfire. And then this is the middle income in Tunisia. Uh, this is Haiti. This is Sweden. I think, I think this, I don't know which, which one looks like yours at home. The second picture was everybody's concern because it's about bathroom toilet. Which one would you go? The one in Burundi? You don't even know where it is. <laughs> it's in Africa. Colombia? There's no flush. Okay, there's no flush. Uh, France. As you can see, France. You know what is this? This is magazines. I mean, these magazines are available to keep you entertained for extended stay. I mean, it means that you can stay there for longer than you actually need. But that's not possible for the other two. I mean, there's no magazine, and you won't even need magazines in these. And we are all concerned about home security. So let's take a look at different locks. Which one would you feel safe to live in? There's no even, not, this is like a string tying it up. There's, there's a padlock here. This is Canada, Cambodia and Haiti. So which one would you feel safe? What about roof? 
Malawi, Liberia, Sweden. What about bears? Which one? I mean, if you think you're in the middle, would you sleep in this bed in Bolivia? They probably sleep five or six people in this bed there. Lastly, let's look at the most basic necessities: water. Oh, this is Ivory Coast. They would drink from the river. This is Mexico. When I was in Mexico, I saw a lot of those. You know, this 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 uh, this thing here. Uh, and this is like a few days of water supply. This is Korea, but this is South Korea, okay, not North Korea. Um, which one would you dare to, to, to drink? Or maybe even wash hands? After looking at these pictures, I hope you have a better idea of the world we're living in. Brothers and sisters, we are not the ones in the middle, not by a long shot. We are in fact way over the right side the wealthiest group in the world. Of course, we're not Bill Gates, we're not Jeff Bezos, but to the other six billion and plus people in the world, we are definitely people who have material possessions. So knowing where we stand in the world's population spectrum, it gives us a perspective of what kind of responsibilities we have to the rest of the less fortunate ones. The Bible makes it clear that from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. So when God said to those who have material possessions, none of us can deny that God is speaking to us. So the first condition in 1 John 3.17 is about what we have. The second then is about what we see. It says, seize his brothers in need. To show compassion and to love others, we need to recognize that we do have material possessions and then we need to look and see. In Jesus' time, there were no televisions, no computers, no internet, but still they could see the needs of the poor. Now that in this world where you can see all parts of the world with a cell phone, not seeing is no longer a possibility. The only way we do not see the need of the poor is either we choose not to see or we look but we cannot see. A form of selective blindness. If we have material possession and if we see the needs of others, then we have no excuse not to extend compassion to them. It's because if we have material possessions and see the others in need, and then choose not to do anything, the Bible describes us as has no pity. But a more descriptive translation is, oops, here, I, I didn't put it here, but it's shut up his compassion. And the word compassion in original Greek is related to, to the word bowel. So it literally means shut up your bowel. Now I know why there are magazines right by the toilet. You know, we can shut up our compassion quite easily. Maybe we're not even aware of it. When we see someone standing in an intersection holding up a sign that writes, Hungry! Need food! We might make assumptions about his motives, thinking that, oh, he might be going to use the money to buy drugs, or that giving him the money would encourage him 
not to go find work, to be lazy. I'm not saying these assumptions are necessarily wrong. There will be people who would take your money that you give out of compassion to buy drugs. But there is also a good possibility that he is really hungry and he hasn't had food for a couple of days. When we make assumptions upon others, we would easily put ourselves in the position of a judge, thinking that we are doing him a favor for not showing him any compassion. Also, we tend to give ourselves many excuses for not showing more compassion. We might think that there are so many people who need help in the world, even if I am among the Forbes top 10 list, I won't be able to help all of them. But not being able to help everyone doesn't mean that we cannot help anyone. So don't disguise our will not with our cannot. So brothers and sisters, we need to take Jesus' command very seriously because the Bible says that if we show no compassion to others, how can the love of God be in us? Remember what Jesus said. Whenever you did for one of the least of those brothers of mine, you did it for me. We cannot separate loving God and helping the poor and the needy. So today, I hope to introduce an opportunity for our brothers and sisters in DCGC to open up our bowel. I mean compassion. That's gross. Open up our compassion to participate in the act of mercy in the name of Jesus. I'd like to introduce to you Compassion Canada. Compassion Canada is an international Christian charitable organization based in the U.S., primarily serving among children in poverty. As of now, they are serving over 2 million children in poverty in 25 countries through partnership with 7,000 local churches. Their ministry is Christ-centered, child-focused, and church-based. And I have personally witnessed the effectiveness of the ministry up close in Mexico. And today, I am so thankful that their representative in BC, Jeremy Viss, is here to share with us. I'm going to ask Jeremy to come forward and share with us. Thank you, Jeremy. While you get the applause, I'm jealous. Well, now I know what you were saying in the first service. That was actually a pretty good sermon. Um, I just want to say thanks, by the way, to the worship teams for, for serving this morning. That was awesome. So thanks for bringing your talents and serving God and serving this church today. I've been really looking forward to uh, spending some time with you this morning since, uh, since Pastor Sam and I spent some time in Mexico. Um, and uh, we had such a great time there that I, yeah, I've been excited to be here and Excited to share a little bit about compassion and why I love being a representative for this ministry. Um, oh, there we go. We can do slides. Um, so there's three things, and you just saw the little icons on the screen, the three kind of main points that we like to share about, about how we serve. And so I'm just going to walk through those um, really quickly just to give you a picture of, of what makes compassion unique and what makes compassion a worthy uh, missions partner. Um, the first thing is that Compassion's ministry is exclusively focused on children. Um, one, of, one of the reasons I love that is because as I read Scripture, you can see consistently how often God re- is revealing His heart for children and how they have a really special place in His kingdom. 
Um, you can see that in the number of times that God uses children to accomplish really important things, like when he used David to slay the giant who was threatening his people, when he used Samuel to call his high priest back to repentance. Uh, he even, this is an obscure one, but he made an eight-year-old boy into the king of Israel once. Um, and even Mary, the woman who ushered our Savior into the world, was a child when she learned that she would be the mother of Jesus. So they, God, God uses children in many ways. And then during his ministry, Jesus himself shows his love for children when he told his disciples to let them come to him so that he could be with them and bless them. And then again, he says to them that unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. So there's a special place in God's heart for kids. Um, we also know that in communities that, that are affected by poverty, it's the children who tend to be the most impacted and the least able to help themselves and do anything about it. And so we, we really want to do what we can to them. But there's also a really strategic component here, which is that we've learned, uh, there's all kinds of research that shows that over three-quarters of people who are Christians in the world today chose to follow Christ for the first time between the ages of 4 and 14 years old. Uh, some people would call that the 4-14 window. Um, and so, so we are choosing to focus on reaching children, not just to not just to serve them and help them for now, but to reach them for Christ because this is while their hearts and their minds are still being formed. So that's the first thing. The second reason that I really love working with compassion is that compassion's work is exclusively done through the local church. Uh, compassion has always believed that God has one plan to reach the world. One we call it his plan A, and that's to use the church. And he doesn't have a backup plan. This is the one way that God plans to reveal himself to the nations. Um, our goal is to equip the church to be the real heroes in the communities that are affected by poverty. So they're the ones that are going to fight poverty the most so that the world can see that the real hope of the world is in Christ. Uh, if you And Pastor Sam saw this, when, when you go and visit where Compassion is serving, you don't see a big nonprofit organization. You don't see a big Compassion sign everywhere. What you see is a local church serving and loving children in their community. Um, these churches, they're safe places to go. They're places where children are known and they're loved and they're protected. And it's where they begin their journey out of poverty with the support of members of their own communities. One of the really exciting things that I learned a little while ago is that a church in a developing country, when they first form that partnership with Compassion, they begin serving hundreds of kids in their community. Most of them are, not from, are from non-church homes. What happens is those churches grow 200, 300% within just a couple years. And that's by people coming to faith in Christ and joining a church community. That, is, that to me is so exciting. Um, so that's the second reason. Uh, the, third, the third thing, oh, there's the picture I was supposed to show you. The third, and, and for me this is the biggest reason that I love working with compassion, is that compassion is absolutely committed to Christ. We will never leave the gospel, we will never leave Christ out of the work that we do. Um, and in fact, our, works, our, our main emphasis is, is actually evangelism and discipleship. And the reason for that is that because compassion over 60 years has learned um, that the worst thing about growing up in poverty is not that it means that children sometimes go hungry uh, or that they can't go to school. Um, those, those, those things are true. But the people who have grown up in poverty that we've worked with and spent time with, they've told us that the worst part of growing up in poverty is that you come to believe 
that you have no value to the world, to your community. We come to believe that you're worthless. When you live in extreme poverty, it's easy to believe that God doesn't care about you and that he's forgotten you if he even exists at all. So while we're making great efforts to feed children and making great efforts to provide them with water, the most important thing we can do for children is to introduce them to their Savior, introduce them to Jesus Christ. And that's because there's a transformation that happens. And when a child understands that the same God who made the whole universe loves them, every single child, individually, and when they understand how far he went to prove his love when he came to die for them, these children stop seeing themselves as worthless. They start to understand that they are worth everything to their Creator. Last year, um, I was able to spend a a week in Ecuador. Uh, We were visiting Compassion's work there. And while we were there, we visited a home that was 12 feet by 12 feet. And just to compare, that's the size of like my bedroom. This is their whole home. And while we were there, I listened to this single mother tell me how she had to stop going to work to earn money. She had to stop doing that because if her kids were left alone after school, she knew that there were people in their neighborhood who would be coming for her kids. So if they're not in school, they stay indoors with their mom at home. I want you to imagine growing up like that in that home and what you would start to believe about the world and what you would start to believe about God and what you'd start to believe about yourself. I think it would be really easy to sit inside that tiny home, just aching to get outside and play and stretch your legs, but knowing that that's not safe, and to decide that the world has forgotten you and that God has forgotten you. And if that's true, it must be because you don't have any value. Um, But in that same neighborhood where we were standing is a church. And the church, they had built a courtyard with high walls like a fortress, and, and parents bring their children to this church, and there's a playground. That's what they built inside that fortress was a playground. And so kids could play and just be kids. And in this run-down, poor neighborhood where there's not enough food, and half the houses, they told us, had to be rebuilt year after year because flooding would come and knock out some of the homes, kids are growing up safe and healthy. Uh, we were in that church. There was a group of about 15 Canadians that had visited. And they told us that actually we were the first outside group that Compassion had brought to that neighborhood in about in over 20 years uh, because it just hadn't been safe to bring outside visitors there up until, un- until we arrived. But the church has been there. And they threw us a party when we arrived. And the, all the activities actually were led by these two girls who were around 15 years old. They had, us, they had us singing, they had us playing these games, they had like 15 Canadian pastors dancing. Uh, and we arrived and they led us in worship. These kids singing, singing praise to God in Spanish and, and games and dances for over an hour led by these two happy, strong, confident 15-year-old girls. How does that happen in a neighborhood like that? Well, later we met this man. His name is Pastor Victor. And Victor has led this church for over 15 years. And, and today there's over 400 children that are sponsored by Compassion that are participating in the Compassion Project in his church. Pastor Victor told us that this is his neighborhood. He said, I grew up here. And before I was a pastor, I was a child that was sponsored 
through compassion in this same church. He told us when his sponsor started to send letters to him that said things like, Victor, we are praying for you. Victor, we're so proud of you. You're staying in school. You're doing a good job. He said when he heard those words or he read those words, he believed them. He told us that when he attended the Compassion Center, he was told there that God had created him, that God loved him, and he learned about Jesus, that God loved him enough to come to the world as a baby, hang out with his creation, and ultimately to die and turn the whole course of creation around. And then he told us that because his sponsors were sending money for him to keep coming to this church, to this program, he had a chance to hear the gospel. He said because his sponsors kept writing to him and praying for him and telling him how much they cared for him and how much value he had, he believed the gospel. You need to hear, but you also need to believe. And now here he is today, pastoring a church, passing that on to 400 more children. He's making disciples. He's fulfilling the Great Commission. The gospel wasn't just for Victor. It was for 400 other children who needed it just like he did. He didn't take these riches that he'd been given and hold them to himself. He started passing it on. Before we left, another story our host told us was that just about a week prior, um, she'd met another boy who was sponsored through Compassion in one of the projects in that neighborhood. Um, She said his dad had left the family when he was young. He didn't know his dad, um, but his mom had recently died. And he hadn't told anyone. He'd just been living alone going to school and going to this church and receiving help, but caring for himself. And when she learned, our host, when she learned that he was alone, she asked him what he did at night in this unsafe neighborhood. And so he invited her into this house with one of those, like, locks, like just a little latch. Like, if you just lean on it a little bit, you'd break it. And he said, I'll show you. So he went in, he closed the door, and then he went back into his bedroom, and he closed that door. And when he closed that door, she saw all over that door were letters from sponsors, from his sponsors. They covered the door and they were on the wall beside it. He told her that every night he locked that outside door, went into his bedroom and closed that door. And before he turned out his lights, he would read every one of those letters. He said he read them and because of what his sponsor wrote to him, he remembered that he wasn't worthless, that he's priceless. That's what we do. That's what the church does when we remind each other of our worth before God. This is the church at work. And of course, the church intervened and and found a place for him to stay that was safe and continues to support this little guy as he grows up. Um, I hope that you saw some pictures of children on the tables on your way in this morning. These are real children who really do live in extreme poverty, who really do need your support. They're children just like Pastor Victor was who live in those 12 by 12 homes who go hungry far too often, can't afford to go to school. But here's what's really exciting to me about these photos. Each of those children has met a pastor, someone like Victor, in their community who has told them this. He said, our church is ready to take care of you. Our church is ready to make sure that you never go to sleep hungry again. Our church is ready to make sure you can go to school and get an education and live a better life than the one you were born into. Our church is ready to make sure that you can see a doctor if you're ever injured or really sick to make sure you get the help that you need. The majority of those children 
before Compassion and their local church began ministering to them, had never heard of Jesus. Once they became one of Compassion's children, they begin learning that their father loves them. And the vast, vast majority of those children come to know him and love him and follow him. Last year, we count this, last year 150,000 children around the world made a decision to follow Jesus in their compassion program. If you average it out, that's one every four minutes all year long. That's exciting to me. And our research actually tells us that for every one of those children who chooses to follow Christ, there's another three, four, or five family members who do as well. So that's why those churches grow so quickly. Um, before we finish, I just want to, we're going to show you a quick video. This is one person's testimony. It's just a, a couple minutes long, so I just want you to see this and, and hear this man's story. My father was taken away from us, and by that I mean he was murdered. Nothing was the same for me. My mother had no job. My father was the only breadwinner. We moved from where we stayed to a place called Nazuru Kasenke, which is one of Uganda's largest slums. And then I was introduced to our new home, which was a 12 by 12 room. I looked up on the roof. It was a tin roof that had holes in it. That was the night that we would stay Sunday. Get little buckets, plates, just where the holes in the roof are, and wait until morning. A reality hit me that day. This was life. Poverty began to speak to me as a child. I thought I was nothing. I didn't matter. Nobody cared to know my name. I think the best way I could describe who I was and what I thought is the word hopeless. My mother, in tears, uh, approached one of her friends just to share with her friend. And her friend shared with her about compassion. Compassion staff members immediately came to our home. Uh, I remember them coming with uh, just uh, files to, to, to get details of who we were, what our story was. I got the news that a young lady, Heather, she was 15 years old, a teenager. She had started sponsoring. I cannot find the words to describe the joy that filled our home when we got the news. Which means you've got a sponsor. Which means you can now go back to school. That ushered in me an opportunity to rekindle this hope that was taken away. Heather began to write to me. To hear words like, Richmond, I love you. Richmond, I'm praying for you. They began to bring healing into places that were destroyed by voices and poverty and my self-image. I credit a lot of how I feel now about myself to those letters that I received from my son. June the 3rd, 1996. I walked forward to accept the Lord Jesus in my heart. I began to feel, wow, I have been released from poverty. I have been redeemed. God began to continue to grow the leadership within me. And then I felt fully called to pursue pastoral ministry. I began the Pastors Discipleship Network, a ministry that exists to train and equip pastors. And I spent a lot of my life training and equipping pastors in the Word of God. Looking back into my life and thinking where I am right now and what I'm doing, 
I don't think any of this would have been possible without compassion. Compassion works. Everything that was quest within the program has helped build me who I am right now. Poverty is not just a lack of money, a lack of material, food and water. Poverty is in. It's deep. My name is Richmond Wandera, and I was released from poverty in Jesus' name. So one of the reasons I'm here is to give you this challenge. Would you consider changing a life or two lives by sponsoring them? The cost is $41 a month, and I know that that's not an insignificant amount. I know that there's some of us who can't do that, and that's okay. Uh, but for a lot of us, I think if we're honest, we can. And if I compare $41 in a month to some of the other things I'm willing to spend money on without thinking about it, like my cable bill and Netflix and Starbucks and new shoes or whatever... $41 is something I can do and my family can do. And if these children that my family sponsors aren't worth $41, I don't know what is. When you sponsor a child, you're entrusting your money to a local church that will use it to care for that child's needs. Uh, they're going to care for their physical needs, their emotional needs, their intellectual needs, and most importantly, I think, their spiritual needs. You're making sure that that child was going to have a chance to grow up healthy, and making sure that that child will learn about who Jesus is and how much he loves them. And you're making sure that that child will have a chance to put their faith in him and become one of his disciples. And maybe, maybe one day they'll become a pastor or a leader like Richmond, like Victor, and invest their lives into the next generation. So after the service, we'd love to help you find children to sponsor. So please don't leave. Just come by one of these tables. Uh, there's one in the lobby and one downstairs. Um, don't grab those kids and, and just leave. Uh, we only make one of those for each of our kids, so we don't want them to go missing. So there's a form in there that you can you can help us by filling in. Uh, if you have any questions, happy to answer this answer them. But ultimately, I want to say thank you for inviting us, inviting me today, and for joining us in this in this mission. And uh, God bless you. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. Uh, the form will look like this. Okay, so uh, hopefully you will go and take a look afterwards. You know, today I uh, introduce compassion to you, not just the, the English congregation, but also the Cantonese congregation as well. Because I was there in their front line in Mexico back in February, and I have seen with my own eyes how lives were changed, how societies were transformed through their workers, the volunteers and the pastors. I met with compassion staff over there. I met with churches, their pastors, their, their, their volunteers there. Uh, I met with over a thousand children over just four site visits. And um, I always wonder, how can $41 a month make such a big difference? After visiting those sites, uh, I, I understand why. It's because a lot of them work without getting paid. A lot of those workers there, they serve 20, 30 hours uh, in a church for the children without getting paid. They volunteer. That's why only $41 a month can make such a big difference. 
And, and why they were doing that? Because they realized that the children there were constantly under threat. In Mexico, where cartel and, and gangs were, were, were almost everywhere, uh, and they, they like to recruit children when they turn 10, 11 years old. Um, so church were very burdened in, 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 in safeguarding as many children as possible with their very limited manpower and resources. So your $41 would go a long way in, in saving a child, not just spiritually, but also uh, socially and, and, and physically and, and holistically. So, these are amazing works of God, and I'm so eager that we all at VCDC will have this privilege to participate in what God is doing there. I, I just hope that you would, and actually I beg you to go and, 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 and take a look and consider it, and if you can do it, I hope you will do what you can to help even one child. In the last verse of our passage today, John wrote, Dear children, let's not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. W-A-I-T. We are so blessed materially by God. Let's put in action and help those in desperation and suffering. And in addition to money sponsorship, we can also organize visitation trips for our own in the future. Also, Pastor Gilbert and, and I are working with a mission organization called Gospel Operation International, GOI, to organize mission trips for VCBC in the next few years. Our first strategic location happens to be Mexico as well, and in which GOI also has a partnership with Compassion over there in Mexico City. So if God permits and we really go there for mission trip, we might be able to organize a side trip to visit some of the Compassion projects as well. You might be able to meet with the sponsored child, and, and it will be, and I've met mine, so I know that it is an experience that you will never ever forget. And lastly, I have not mentioned anything about this blue corner in all my slides today. This is actually an icon made by Compassion. It serves as a reminder for us to save a corner of what we have to help those in need. In fact, this is based on the Bible. The Bible teaches us in Leviticus 19, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field and gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. So today, would you save a corner of what you have, what you have been blessed with, and let the poor and the needy to experience joy and hope? And I hope you would. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for what you have blessed us with. That it is also your will that we are to be stewards of your blessings. So God, I ask that you will bless us with a compassionate and merciful heart. Not just for us at VCBC, but for all your children over the world, so that those who are in desperation and despair may find hope, strength, and love in you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.